Great to see you all this morning. That was a great time of worship and a great time just remembering. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Great time remembering the, the sacrifice of Jesus and celebrating his resurrection. It's awesome to have you all here this morning. And uh, we, we wanted to just welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We're continuing our series called Pray. And this is part three of a three-part series. And what we're doing in this series is we're learning how to pray some different types of prayers. We're learning how to pray some prayers that are bold, some prayers that are very courageous, some prayers that are not safe. The prayers that we're learning are not predictable. They're not comfortable. In this series, we're, we're learning to pray some uncomfortable prayers. I've been blessed to, to hear that a lot of people have been encouraged throughout this series. A lot of people have been blessed by this series, and um, some have even spoke to me and said, man, God is using their prayers to make a difference in their life in just um, the couple weeks that we've been talking about these prayers. And week one, we, we learned the prayer from David. We, we talked about praying this, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is anything in me that offends you, and lead me in the way of everlasting life. It was really a prayer of inviting God in, inviting God to be the leader of our lives, inviting God to to change our hearts, to expose the areas in our lives that need to be uh, more in alignment with him. It was a prayer of invitation. Last week, we talked about the bold prayer of, Father God, not my will, but your will be done. And this was really a prayer of growth. This was really a a prayer of surrender, of saying, God, it's not what I want. I want to do what you want. I want your plan for my life. It was really a prayer of growth, a prayer of surrender. And today we're going to look at another very courageous prayer. And this is a difference-making kind of prayer. This is a prayer of availability. This is purely based on my own observation, but I I really think that most of the time what people uh, pray for the most are things that directly impact them or those that are really close to them. You know, they will pray like this. They'll say, God, would would you do this for me or would you do that for me? Would you heal my loved one? Would you help me to get into this school? God, would, would you help me to find a job? Would you bring the, the right man into my path? Would you bring the right woman into my path? Would you help me to find the right marriage partner? Would, would you bless me? Would you do this? Would you do that? And I want to say we should absolutely continue to pray those kind of prayers, okay? There is nothing wrong with those types of prayers. But in, instead of just praying, God, would you do this and would you do that for me? A bold way to pray would be, God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Not just please do this or bless me or keep me safe. But what if you prayed, God, I am your servant. And I want to be available for what you might call me to do. Father, what would you have me to do? This is a difference-making kind of prayer. This prayer will be a game-changer for many of you. This this prayer will rekindle, it will reawaken, it will reignite the passion for service to God in your life. It really will. This is a difference-making kind of prayer. 
And this prayer, as we, as we pray this prayer, it's, it's not a safe prayer. It's not a comfortable prayer. It's very bold because when you pray this prayer, God could direct you in a lot of different ways. He could lead you to do some things that are way outside of your comfort zone. He may lead you to go to a different city. He may reveal a calling in your life that you never expected. He may lead you to to stay somewhere when you knew that you were just supposed to go somewhere else. He may call you to a different job. He may lead you to start a ministry in your church or to serve in a ministry that's already existing in your church. He he may uh, lead you to do a variety of different things, but when you make yourself available to God, when you pray that kind of a prayer, and it's a very bold prayer, but when you make yourself available to God, He will lead you, and he will direct you. We're going to learn to pray this type of a prayer this morning. You know, all throughout Scripture, if you read from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we're going to see that God calls people, okay? He calls men and women and children. He calls people to do things. And it's not like a phone call, okay? What, what I mean by calling, like what is your calling, what, how does God call people, it means that he speaks to people. There's times where God will prompt people. There'll, there'll be a stirring in someone's soul or in their spirit where, man, I just, I feel led of God to do this or to do that. He prompts them. He stirs them. He may lead people to say something. He may lead someone to, to go somewhere. He may lead someone to encourage someone, to speak uh, words of encouragement to another believer. They can just see that their countenance is down, and man, God, you just feel this prompting. I need to say some kind words. I need to say something to build up my brother or to build up my sister. God may lead you or call you to speak truth and love. God will call those who know him to do something that he wants done. As, as Christians, we, we have referred to this as God's calling on my life. God has called me to pastor Grace Church. That's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing right now. God has called me to this place. We're going to look at three different responses in the scriptures, okay? When God leads uh, men of God, women of God to, to step out in faith and to do something, we're going to look at three different ways people have responded in the scriptures. And uh, these responses to, to God's call in your life, I, I think will, you could probably see yourself in these responses. You may even say, gosh, I've been there. I've done that. That's how I've responded. And I think it will be an encouragement to you this morning. But the first one that I want to look at, hopefully if you're taking notes, I want to I look at a man named Jonah. And God called Jonah, he led Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. And this was a city that Jonah didn't really want to go to. And God prompted his spirit. He said, you need to go to the city. And Jonah responded by number one, he said, I'm not going. That was his response, okay? I don't know if you see yourself in that response, but I can see myself in that response, okay? I've been there, done that. Now, there's been times where I said, I can feel this prompting, I'm supposed to say this, I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not going to, you know? Um, I've been there. Jonah was there. He said, I'm not going. Some of you can relate. Jonah said, here, my God, I'm not going. 
Jonah chapter 1, look at verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amatatai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He not only said, I'm not going, he went as fast as he could in the opposite direction. Jonah said, I'm not going. I wonder how many of us have have had that similar experience where we have felt a prompting, we felt a calling, we, we knew in our core, like we knew deep down, I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to go in that direction. I'm supposed to reach out. I'm supposed to say something. I'm supposed to do something. But not today, God. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going. Jonah said, I'm not going. Has God ever led you to do something, to say something, and that was your response? I'm not going. One of our core values here at Grace is transparency, and I just wanted to to share something with you from my own personal experience, my own personal life. And this is actually very recent. I would say I'm currently in it right now. But I believe God had and is, as you can tell, I'm going to just process it in front of you guys, okay? I think God had, about a year ago, had really prompted in my spirit, had really led me to try to push Grace Church, to lead Grace Church, to step out in some bold ways. And he gave me the idea, which isn't original to me, but he was stirring it within me of, hey, there are communities around Durango that Grace Church could have a representation in. You know, uh, Bayfield, for example, about uh, close to 60% of the congregants that come to Grace Church come from Bayfield. I don't know if you knew that or not. We have a lot of people commuting from Bayfield, and I think that's awesome. I think that's so cool. On Wednesday nights, we have a van full of kids that come from Bayfield for youth group. And and they come, they they ride in an hour every Wednesday night to come to youth group. I think that's a good sign of how awesome our youth group is, okay? Good job, Nathan. All right, doing a great job. But there's a lot of people coming from Bayfield. And the Lord was stirring within me of like, man, what, what would it look like to take Grace Church to them? to Ignacio, to Cortez, to Pagosa. And it's not like, man, there's already a bunch of churches that exist in these communities. But let me tell you something. The pool of unreached people is never going away. If you compare the pool of unreached people to the pool of reached people, the reached people is such a small pool. The the percentages are so small of, of followers of Jesus Christ, of believers in Jesus the percentage of unreached people, those who, who don't have a church home, those who don't um, say that they're followers of Jesus, the, the pool is huge, and it's never going away. And the Lord was saying, what are you doing, Justin, to go after that group of people, those, those people that are far from Jesus, those people that are unchurched? And it was prompting my spirit. And I started taking some steps. All right, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to go in that direction. But you know what? distractions, doubt, fear, questions. God, it's never been done. We don't have our act together here. There's so much that isn't going right. There's people 
you know, stepping away from different ministries. God, there's... And now we're in this place where God is still igniting this fire in me of like, man, we cannot, Justin, you cannot lead this awesome group of people these followers of Jesus Christ to just gather on Sundays and to go home and not do anything. We, we can't just gather every weekend and, and just do it again and do it again and do it again until I come back. That's not what I've called you to, Justin. We need to lead this group of people to go out and to reach those who are far from me, to take the gospel to the lost. That's what my mission is all about, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. What are you doing, Justin? Come on, come on, let's lead, let's go. So that's where he's stirring in me. But I'm in this place where I, like Jonah, I'm tempted sometimes to say, I don't know, man. I don't know if I got it. I don't know if I'm capable. I don't know if, if it's going to work, and I want to run the opposite direction. So, and how's that for relevant? How's that for transparent? Let me just say this. And I'm committed. I'm committed to following Jesus Christ. I'm committed to, to lead this church as best as I know how, as best as I can. I'm committed to, man, I'm trying to give leadership away. I want to empower believers to use their spiritual gifts. I think that's the only way it's going to work. But I'm personally exploring, and I guess I'm going to invite you to pray with me and maybe even to join me. What would it look like for us to start going outside of these walls and take this incredible message that we have of Jesus Christ and, and take it to those who are far from Jesus, to take it outside of these walls. What would it look like to take it to different communities? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But I'm inviting you to pray with me on that. The second response in Scripture was a man named Moses. God had led Moses to lead his people out of bondage out of slavery and Moses responded this way he said number two send someone else okay so Jonah's response was I'm not going Moses's response was send somebody else all right here am I but I want you to send my brother he, he's much more capable than I am he, he can speak way better than I can he's smarter than I am like send him Send someone else to do the job. Why would you choose me, God? There's so many others who are better qualified. Why wouldn't you send them? Exodus chapter 3 and verse 10, God spoke to Moses and he said, Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now this is something that Moses would have agreed with. He, he would have said, yes, this needs to happen. They've been slaves for far too long. They need to be free. But instead of saying, sure, God, I'll go, Look at what he said in verse 11. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Basically what he's saying is, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough, God. Send someone else. I'm not the right person. And it, it's so easy for you and I to do this. It's so easy for us to fall into this response that Moses gave. Like you're feeling prompted by God to maybe give something that you have. But you say, man, 
they should give. Like, look at them. They have so much more than I do. God, why are you prompting me to give when they should actually be the ones that are giving? Why aren't you prompting them to give? I don't have as much as they do. I mean, look at them. They're so much better off than I am. God, why are you you leading me to go and to do this? Like, I have so much responsibility. I have so much on my plate. My schedule's already jam-packed full. Like, why are you messing with my schedule, God? I mean, look at them. They, They don't seem as busy as I do. They got more time than I do. She can do it. She's she's more gifted than I am. He can do it. He's a better leader than I am. They're better equipped. I don't have time for this. God, send someone else to do it. Would you please? Jonah says, I'm not going. Moses says, send someone else. Now we're going to look at a third example. Okay, we're going to look at the example of Isaiah. And Isaiah prays a very bold, faith-filled, different kind of prayer. And this is the prayer that I want to lead us to pray today. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8 says, Then I heard the Lord asking. This is Isaiah. The Lord is asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for me? Notice what Isaiah prayed as a response back to God. And, And before I read it to you, I want you to notice what he did not say, okay? Notice that Isaiah did not say, where are you sending me, God? Notice that he didn't say, hey, where you send me? Is the climate nice, you know? Is it going to be sunny days there? Is the weather good? Uh, What's the cost of living there, God? Um, What's the pay range, you know? What what kind of benefits am I going to get? Do I get vacation time? Like, God... um, I want to know a little bit more before I say, send me. He didn't ask for any of that. What Isaiah simply did is is he he signed a contract with God that was blank. And he gave it to God, and his response was, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Isaiah responded, number three, here am I, send me. And this is... This is a very bold prayer. It takes a lot of courage to to pray this prayer, especially on a daily basis. But I want to challenge you to pray this, to add this to your prayer life. To to say, God, here am I. Send me wherever you want me to go. Whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, here am I. God, you have permission to interrupt my schedule. You have permission to rearrange my life. You have permission. I'm giving you permission to do with me as you will. Father, if you want me to go, I will go. If you want me to stay, I'll stay. If you want me to speak, I'll speak. If if you want me to be silent, I will keep my mouth shut. God, whatever you want, that's what I want. If you want me to give something away, if you want me to give my time, whatever you need me to do, whatever it is, God, here I am. Send me. Man, what an amazing prayer. I'm I'm completely available to you, God. I'm your servant. Here am I. Send me. This is a very bold prayer. And let me just tell you, when you pray this prayer, I guarantee you that God will interrupt you. He will interrupt your life 
He will lead you to step out in faith in ways that are uncomfortable. And you will begin to realize all of a sudden, wow, there is a lot for me that God wants me to do. When I just make myself available to him, oh my gosh, there's a lot for me to do. So, so how do we get there? How do we get to this place where we're praying such bold prayers, where we can pray, here am I, send me? How, how, how do we get to that kind of a place where we have that kind of an attitude? I'm, I'm openly confessing. My attitude is probably more often than not like Jonah's and Moses's, where I'm like, I'm not going or send someone else, God. So how do I, how do I have an attitude adjustment? How do I change my mindset to where I'm fully surrendered to God? And I want to try to answer that question by looking at the previous verses. Before Isaiah prayed, here am I, send me, we're going to look at the verses before that prayer, and I believe it will answer this for, this, for us. So the question is, is, what do you need to fully surrender to God? And so I'm going to break it down into three things. Once again, if you're taking notes, I hope you'll write these things down. But number one, in order to fully surrender to God, I believe you need to personally experience the presence of God. It cannot be all on the, on the coattails of mom and dad's faith. It has to be your faith. You have to personally experience the presence of God. Look at Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1. It says this. It was in the year of King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw with his own eye, he saw the presence of God. He experienced the presence of God. He saw him in all of his majesty, in all of his glory. When Isaiah saw the presence of God, when he personally experienced the glory of God, it completely transformed who he was. He had a personal encounter with God. So why is it that sometimes you and I won't do what God leads us to do? Or that we'll say God sends someone else to do what he's calling you to do? It may be that you have not personally experienced the presence of God. And I think sometimes those of us that have grown up in church, we, we know about that salvation experience or that moment where you first uh, made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I think, you know, man, that is fantastic. It's necessary. But I think many times, many people, they, they just think about that experience. And maybe it was 30 years ago. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was five years ago. But I think you need to experience God on a more regular basis. It can't just be this salvation experience, a one-time thing. No, you need to experience him daily. You need to experience him more often. And then you're going to live that surrendered life. It was back when uh, the Missionary Ridge fires were happening. And my oldest son, Rylan, was nine months old. He had, um, my oldest son, Rylan, was born at 31 weeks. Um, it's a whole other story in itself. He's a miracle, um, as all of my boys are. But um, he was supposed to be born without any lungs. And long story short, he was born, and he had just enough lungs to survive. And uh, he weighed three pounds, 14 ounces, just uh, a giant. And, uh, but he was nine months old. The fires were raging. We, we lived just down the road here on Florida. Smoke was everywhere. And so the doctor said, you need to take um, 
your wife and your son, and you need to get them on a plane, and they need to get out of here because the smoke is not good for his lungs. And so I drove Trisha and Ryland to Albuquerque, and they got on a plane, and they flew to Ohio, where Trisha's from, and so she could be with her family. And on the drive back from Albuquerque, um, man, I experienced God afresh, anew. And of course, it's like, man, I just, I just put my wife, my oldest son, on a plane. I mean, Ryland still had oxygen. I mean, he was still in a very critical state, you know, with his life. So I, here I am, and there's just fires raging, you know, there's smoke. It's just, looks like the Armageddon is happening, you know. But as I was driving back from the airport, it was just me and the Lord. And I just sent my family away. And man, I had this encounter where all of a sudden I'm driving and I'm praying for Trisha and I'm praying for Ryland, and I just lost it. I was weeping. And people passing me was like, what is wrong with that guy? You know, I'm like, (laughs) you know, just sobbing. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't control it. But, man, it was this place where it's like, God, I I want whatever you have for my life. I want to give it to you. I want to surrender to you. I I want you to be in control. I want you to do with me whatever you will, you know. And, man, it was just this... It was, as if, it was as if God was just riding next to me, and he was comforting me, and he was saying, it's going to be fine, man. I'm with you. I'm going to walk with you. And he was just encouraging me through it. And man, it was just a personal encounter with God, and I, I wanted to share that with you this morning because, man, I, whatever you're facing, whatever hardships you're going through, whatever trial is in front of you, man, I, I hope and pray that you're going to the Lord with those hardships. That you're going to the Lord with those trials. And that you can personally encounter God. When you personally experience the presence of God, it will, it will bring you into a deeper submission to God. That was my response when I was like, man, I was experiencing God. It was, he was just, uh, you know, he was with me like I had never felt him before. My response was, I want to surrender. I want you to do with me whatever you want. That was my response to him. I'm your servant. I will do anything you want me to do. And I recognize that some of us here this morning may say, man, that's, that's never really happened to me. I want you to know that it absolutely can, and it won't look like my experience. Your experience will probably be completely unique, but God wants to reveal himself to you. The scripture says, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That is a promise from God. When you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. He wants to make himself known to you. What do you need to fully surrender to God? You need to personally experience the presence of God. And then the second thing you need is to be fully aware of your brokenness. Fully aware that you are incapable, that that you can't do it in your own strength. I'm going to argue that one of the biggest cultural lies in our world today, is this. I think one of the biggest lies that that people fall into, the biggest trap is this. I'm a good person. I'm a good guy. Man, I'm a good gal. Like, I'm a good person. She's a good person. He's a good person. We're good people. Without Christ, you are not a good person. We talked about this in week one. Remember what the prophet Jeremiah said? Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. He said, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things 
and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Without Christ, we are not good people. We are evil. We, we deceive ourselves. We, we deceive others. We, we lie to ourselves. We lie to others. We, we are evil apart from God. There's nothing good in us. The scripture says there is none righteous. No, not a single one. And when Isaiah saw the goodness of God, it exposed the wickedness within him. When he saw the presence of God, this is his response. Look at verse 5 in Isaiah chapter 6. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. I am ruined. I am incapable. I'm not good enough. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. In order to get to that place where you have that attitude of surrender, you have to be aware of your brokenness. What does it take to get to that place that you're fully surrendered? You need to personally experience the presence of God. You need to be fully aware of your sinfulness. And then lastly, number three, it takes a genuine experience of God's grace. When you understand just how amazing his grace is, it will bring you to this point of full surrender. Verse 6 says this, Isaiah said this in in, uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. He says, then one of the seraphim, a seraphim is an angelic being, okay? So one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Now now listen to what he said. This is amazing news. This is grace. He said, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. So Isaiah saw the presence of God. He recognized that I am ruined. I am a sinner. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. And from one touch of the goodness of God, his sins were forgiven and completely atoned for. One touch from the Almighty God. Like, imagine this. Your your lying lips, forgiven. Your your lustful eyes, forgiven. Your self-centered thoughts, forgiven. Your, Your angry outbursts, forgiven. Every secret sin you've never told anyone before, forgiven. When you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the grace of God. And when you experience God's grace, it changes everything. It changes everything. In the same way that the coal that touched Isaiah's lips removed his guilt. The blood of Jesus Christ covers our sins. And when we recognize, man, I don't bring anything to the table. And Jesus, he brought everything. When we experience God's presence, we become fully aware of our sinfulness. And then we experience this unmatched, undeserved grace of God through Jesus Christ. And when we experience that grace, our only reasonable response is surrender. Here am I, God. Send me. It's not my life. 
It's not my desires. It's all about you, God. Anywhere, anytime, anything, I'm yours. Let me tell you something. To get to that place truly, I think you're going to have to experience what Isaiah experienced. I think to try to get to that place in your own power, it's not going to work very well. You have to get to that place where you have encountered the presence of God, where you have recognized your brokenness, and you have experienced God's forgiveness and his grace. And only in that place can you say, here am I, send me. Otherwise, you're going to just be playing church, you're going to be playing religion, and it's probably going to be one of the most awful experiences of your life. If you're just playing games with God, I highly don't recommend it. Man, when you are genuine and you are true, and you've truly encountered God, you can't help but surrender to him. Search me, O God. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Here am I. Send me. These are, these are very courageous prayers. I want to I conclude this morning just with a thought. And the thought is really in the form of a question. The question is, is why don't Jesus' followers pray these kind of prayers more often? I thought about that this week. Why, why haven't I prayed these kind of prayers more often? Or how come maybe believers in general don't pray these kind of prayers more often? And my theory is this. I, I think a lot of people think that if they pray these kind of prayers, that God is going to lead them to sell everything they have and send them to the Amazon jungle to be missionaries, and they're never going to get to use a real toilet ever again. Okay? I think that's sometimes... So they're like, I'm not going to pray this. I'm not going to pray this. What you need to know is that may happen. (laughs) He may call you to be a missionary in the jungle. But I honestly think more likely he's going to call you to be a missionary where you work because that's holy too. That's, That's honorable to God as well. It's more likely that he's going to call you to serve the people that are in front of you to be faithful with whatever he's already given you, to be faithful, to serve, to surrender right where you're at. The bold prayer that Isaiah prayed and the bold prayer that you and I need to pray when the Lord asks, like, who should I send? Our response, Lord willing, will be, here am I, send me. Here am I send me. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for the example of Isaiah. I'm so thankful for the example of Moses and Jonah as well. Lord, their stories, um, you redeemed their stories. Jonah said, I don't want to go. Moses said, send someone else, but you still used them. And I'm so grateful for that. I love the example of Isaiah. I pray that you'd help all of us to get to that place where we have truly experienced your presence We have recognized our brokenness. We know that we can't do it in our own strength, our own power. And we have really tasted and experienced the grace that's undeserved, the love of God. And I pray that our response would be, here am I, send me.